All hey, listen. It's just me. The other two, I killed them. They're both gone. That's dead. That's insane. You'll never see them again. Uh, back. Welcome to the Critically Unfocused podcast. Uh, we got a little. We got special. Don't say bring them back. We don't need to bring them back. Bring back uh, Jamal and Blake, man. It's better that way. Special episode. We got your boy, uh, the U the UW Insider Acropolis Junior, joining us today for a little college football preview. Uh, we got up, y'all. UW playing Texas in the college Sheesh. football playoff. UW their second time in what six years in the college football seven playoffs. Years. Yep, seven, seven years. Seven. Yep. Special, <laughs> special. Uh, before we get started, you want to intro yourself, uh, A Crop. You want to tell people a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Um, what you can uh, say. The, yeah, the name's Acropolis Jr. I'm a dude from Tacoma that uh, uh, happened to get well connected through friends and family. Um, and uh, yeah, man, one of the biggest UW fans you'll ever meet. Right? So uh, welcome, or, or thank you for welcoming <laughs> me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you, you know you're part of the gang. You can welcome me. Yeah. Welcome yeah. Uh, all right, man. How are you feeling about the uh, the game today? You got a big playoff game against Texas today. How are you feeling? Huge, man. I'm going to be completely objective and honest and say that I am uh, I'm really nervous because um, uh, it's I don't know if it's something that's just in like my small circle of people who talk about college football or like a broader spectrum that other people feel this way, too. And I think that UW is a baby blue blood. OK, they're, they're, they're the lighter shade of blue, you know, just outside of the agree. 10 to 12 programs that are uh, uh, constantly in it. And uh, uh, the rest of the programs that are currently in it are true traditional blue bloods. Um, so whereas every four to five years, these teams that we're playing have chances for us, it's every like 15 to 20. So um, even though I truly feel confident that UW gets the dub today, um, I'm very nervous just because this is something that comes up every blue moon, you know, so. I get what you're saying about the other schools all being blue bloods, but can we be real about Texas? Can, can we keep it okay. a buck about Texas? Texas, Texas is just like the <laughs> the middle of the of the maps. Uh, USC, you know, there are some blue bloods that don't really deserve to be anymore, but yeah. just on name and brand alone, yeah, Texas is definitely the weakest over the last ten to fifteen years. But yeah, you know, they, they, their last time they were like, last time they were worth a damn was what 2012 when they had uh, Earl and Colt yep. McCoy out there. And, and they were still that. just cool. And then, yeah, Vince yeah. Young. They recruit well. They do. They always have. It. Always will. Yeah. But, yeah. So, yeah, they got to pick their shit up. But they're doing it at the right time because they're going to the SEC next year. So they have to. Thanks. I feel like that'll be a, a nice kick in the ass for them. Yeah. Do you feel right. uh, you feel a little extra fire facing off against Sark in the I playoff do. game? I do. You know, um, uh, UW fans uh, are unfair to Sark. They treat Sark poorly because um, he moved on and, and UW fans don't like being what we call Oregon, which is Stepping Stone University. So, you know, he was Makes with sense. us and then he moved on to, quote unquote, greener pastures. But also, you know, Sark was like the catalyst to get us out of like the doghouse where we were falling out of that baby blue blood and just becoming another team. And he kind of yeah. like he started. And, and built what Sar- or, uh, what Chris Peterson built on and what now Kalen DeBoer is building on. So um, I'll always have love for Sark. Dude, dude needs to chill with the, uh, with the drugs and alcohol, but he's a good coach. Hey, man, they're very addictive. As a, we can all relate <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Sure. He was the first coach after Tyrone Willingham, right? That's, no. Was there, uh, was there something between the two of them? Yeah, and then there was um, uh, uh, like, gosh. Oh, my gosh, what is his name? Some guy from like 20... 20- 
2010 to 2012, and then Sark took over. But he was okay. uh, uh, just a middle ground guy that also didn't do well, so he, he got the boot quickly. Some older yeah, okay. white guy. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, so so looking at the game today, who's the who's the X factor that's going to win it for UW? UW wins. Who do you see that's the guy that went off outside of like Penix and Adunze, the guys that Ooh. like you're expecting that okay. from? Okay, yeah, yeah. Obviously, but like who's who are you looking out for to make outside it outside of our? It's weird because to a UW fan, this is not a fringe name, but maybe to your listeners, it will be Dylan Johnson. Um, is okay. our starting running back. And again, everyone knows UW for the pass game and the big three receivers in Penix, correct? But um, since November 1st, Dylan Johnson leads the country in touchdowns, uh, carries, and rushing yards. So um, yeah. oh. I don't know if this is like just happenstance or genius from Kalen DeBoer, where he said, we're going to pass the ball all over the yard. And then when the games really start to matter, matter, we're going to pound the ball down people's throat paws and they are going to uh, uh, experience a different UW team, which may have gotten them through the gauntlet that they had after USC because we face whether or not they're still faced. We faced uh, the like four of our last six games were against top 20 teams. Uh, yep. They're not anymore, but USC was at the time. Utah was at the time. And Dylan Johnson really, really picked it up. Now, that's the answer for the general crowd. But UW fans understand what I just said. Um, to the non-general crowd, or to the to the general crowd, not the UW fans, I would say Carson Bruner. He is a backup middle linebacker for us that all season, I think, his father was an All-American tight end at UW when we won the Natty in 91. Um, and I believe that he is our best stand-up linebacker, even over Eddie Olifoscio, who was like a Butkus finalist. Um, yeah. I think he was a Butkus finalist off of clout. Um, I think a lot of awards end up being like that. Um, For sure. But this kid, every time he's on the field, he outshines the other uh, middle linebackers that we have, and he's just a fucking missile. Um, kind of like Ben yeah, Burkhausen, but a better body. Looking at his numbers, he had 75 tackles this season as a backup middle linebacker. That's, as as that's a backup numbers. middle linebacker, yeah, yeah. Anytime he's on the field, he makes big impacts. Um, he had a, a huge almost pick six against Oregon last year. He had a, a – a really big pick against Oregon this year, forces fumbles. He was the absolute key player on defense in the Oregon State game. Like he he's an absolute unit and I'm excited to see him play the next few years. So yeah. Okay. I was Carson really hoping Bruder. to hear I was really hoping to hear uh, this player named Tybo Rogers, just because that's a great Sheesh. Name. Yes. <laughs> Tybo Rogers, um, uh, who I call Sub-Zero because he is so smooth and has such incredible cuts. Um, he is a true freshman running back, but he has now uh, been kicked off of the team twice this year. Oh. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Halfway through the season, he got kicked off for uh, breaking team rules, which I was told that it was staying out at a party. And then um, right before the conference championship game, uh, I won't get too deep, but some allegations about um, uh, sexual misconduct with a young woman. Oh. Uh, so, yeah. Um, Never mind. Cancel Tybo yeah, Rogers. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Low key, <laughs> again, he ended up coming back two weeks later and is with the team again, uh, meaning sure. that it sounds like whatever the claims were, were at, at the very least unsubstantiated by law. Um, but still, yeah, I just was going to avoid Tybo, even though he's been really, really good weapon X from the backfield. 
Damn, well, I just really like the name. Didn't know that the man was a nasty man. <laughs> yeah, Sean Watson, player of the year. Good grief. He's a nasty boy. <laughs> All right, uh, so what are your concerns for you, Doug? Like, what goes wrong? If if the game doesn't shake out your way, what do you expect that went wrong today? I or where can not, you guys be exploited also? I am not worried about, which is funny, because uh, according to Pro Football Focus, um, Byron Murphy, which is a really familiar name to Husky fans because of our corner, yep. um, but their defensive tackle. And is it Tavondre Sweat? Uh-huh. Are the yeah, number one and number two ranked D tackles in the whole country. Um, and I, I, I preface with that to say I'm not worried about those two, not because they're not incredible players, but because uh, the University of Washington was just voted and won the award for the best offensive line in the country. Um, okay. And people are sleeping on them because Texas doesn't care about that because no one cares about Washington. But uh, sure. we're not going to get pushed around. What I am worried about are uh, uh, Xavier Worthy, Mr. Butterfingers, and his uh, counterpoint, uh, uh, Donnie Mitchell. I think it's a Donnie Mitchell. Are their number one and number two receivers, and our defensive backfield is the weakest part of our defense, um, to, to my estimation, and I think most Husky fans' estimation. We just we give up a lot of third and longs. We do a lot of bend-don't-break defense, and I'm uh, scared because that Xavier Worthy guy is kind of a John Ross light really really got burners and he's really dynamic if he catches the ball so yeah yeah 73 catches 969 yards thousand scrimmage yards this season Puts yeah yeah he, he's he's truly a stud but he is the reason why UW was able to beat Texas last year because he had three drops and one was like a 70 yard touchdown it's helpful and you know those drops yeah. do like to show up in these games like this where it's like Every catch matters, and that's where the, exactly. the pressure turns on. Yep. yep. Tur- turnovers and, and just not making the big mistake. Got it. Yeah. Uh, so if you guys win today, I yeah. know teams don't typically want to look for it, but we're fans, so we love to look for it. If you guys yeah. win today, who you want to see in the championship? Ooh. Uh, and I'm asking you that as someone who went to that Michigan game with you and watched – you uh, don't get their fucking teeth kicked in. <laughs> so, so basically the same team. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, it's the same team, but completely not the same team because yeah. um, it, more than in basketball and baseball, um, coaching really matters in football and scheme really matters in football. And again, that same offensive line coach that got his teeth kicked in is the one player or one coach from the previous staff that Kalen DeBoer retained, and it ended up being a good decision because they just won the award for best offensive line in the country. Um, yeah, I'm not afraid of Michigan or Bama, but yeah, I'm going to go ahead and actually say Bama um, because I think that Jalen Milrow is incredibly uh, athletic and talented, uh, but Uh-oh. I do think that he is uh, uh, prone to making dumb decisions. Are you saying though, you like your quarterback's a little bit more quarterbacky than that? That's absolutely <laughs> not it. She was fucking tripping about quarterbacks <laughs> being more quarterbacky. Yeah, I can't believe her, man. No, that's not what I'm saying. I think that Jalen Milrow is more dynamic than J.J. McCarthy. I think he's more of a problem. What I'm saying is I've seen Alabama lose to Texas, who I think we're better than. And I saw Alabama should have, if it wasn't for Auburn losing their fucking minds, lose to or beat Auburn by a fourth down and 36 Hail Mary. That shouldn't that have That really happened. changed their entire season. Exactly. So, again, <laughs> Bama, Bama probably has the most top-end talent, but I also probably think that they are the least – 
the least polished team, which is crazy because Nick Saban's the greatest coach of all time, right? But yeah, yeah I just I, I believe that the matchup is better for UW against Bama. Telling people you want Bama, certainly an option. I know, certainly man. Yeah, it's crazy. Certainly a choice. It's crazy. And there's kind of like a lore of, of UW versus Michigan and a lot of Rose Bowls. So there'd yeah. be something poetic about that. But, um, yeah, yeah, it was – I don't know. I almost want to take it back. It's crazy to ever say you want Bama because whenever <laughs> people do, they end up losing. I'm not saying I want Bama. I'm saying I think it's objectively the better matchup for UW. Yeah. UW versus Michigan would look beautiful on the field, though, for it, sure. It would look uh, beautiful on the field. <clears throat> Just real quick, while we're talking about Jalen Milrow, did you see that Reese Davis clip of him on College Game Day today talking about Jalen Milrow? No, what he said. Hey, my gosh! I'm sorry, I'm watching the Bama Michigan right now, and there was just a muffed punt. I'm gonna play it for you real quick. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, Jalen Milrow yeah. often wears his own branded apparel, reading "Lank" across the front. It's an acronym that stands for "Let a Naysayer Know." Being told by his <laughs> former offensive coordinator that Bill O'Brien, I thought. Is that not what you thought? <laughs> Boy, let a naysayer know. Let a naysayer I'm know. Sick. Professionals <laughs> literally. Right. Joey Galloway losing his fucking mind. <laughs> not let a naysayer know. Let a naysayer know. I'd be, I I would willing, be willing to bet you $1,000 Jalen Milrow has never said the word naysayer in his life. Not a fucking chance. Let a nigga that know is, is 1,000%. <laughs> Shout out to Reed Davis believe- for reading the room, though. I can't believe whoever was setting up the script for that college game day allowed that to even be a segment. That's insane. I love it so much. I love it so Tripping. much. Uh, so crazy. let's say let, let's we're going to operate for this entire show with the assumption that UW is winning today. We're both from Washington. We both like UW. You love UW. Yep. I like UW. But we're going to yep. operate with the assumption that they win today. Uh, so let's say they win today. Where does this put Kalen DeVore in UW coaching history? Even before he gets to the national championship territory if they just win at their first playoff game where does that rank him all time he might be second already wow to don james at two years in yes and, wow. and he would concretely be second otherwise if he wins and then has any sibilance of not getting immediately bought out he i i think you have to tie him for first wow Oh shit! If he if he wins it, wasn't not wasn't Don James like a twenty year uh, coach, athletic director statue in front of the stadium? And you're yes. saying a, a playoff win ties that? No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I, I took it too far. I went to like if we win it all. No, okay. no, no, no. You're, we're talking. I mean, about, even, forgive me. You're saying just a win today. Yes, but Second. even a win, t- a one national championship, you're saying ties him for the best UW coach of all time. I believe so, man. We've only got two, and the other one was voted on. You know, understandable. Okay, and it was 1960. Okay. Nobody was around for it. So yeah, yeah, I believe if he wins the national title, I would put him in the same realm, and I would want him to have a statue, and I think others would too. We're not baby. We're a baby blue blood. We're not a true blue. Wow. I know it's probably it's probably a hot take, but I truly mean it. I'm saying it would mean that much to the UW community. If we win a natty, I, I want I will petition for it. I'll put money so, up. So where's Chris Peterson right now, all time? Currently second. <laughs> okay. Considering Chris and, Peterson second, sure. Yeah, Easy for Kalen DeVore to jump in. Yeah, yeah. Well, nope, nope. Forgive me. That was disrespectful to UW lore. Uh Gil Doby 
back in the early 1900s, he went 70 and 0 before losing. Um, you said again. in the early 1900s. Yes. Come on, boys in the boat, man, this? and stuff like that. Yeah, you, you, UW cares boat. about that stuff. Yeah, it was like 1908 to 1919 that he did okay. not lose. Shortly after slavery ended, understood. Got it. Uh, <laughs> exactly. So, so where where do you have Stark Stark rank then? If uh, he built, ooh. if he's the one that built this shit. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe in the uh, the top for sure in the top ten. Maybe okay. close to the top five because again he uh, there's other coaches in the like seventies, eighties, and nineties. I think he's under Rick Neuheisel, who okay. won uh, two Rose Bowls. Um, I think he's under no one Rose Bowl. Either way, yeah, when I think uh, Rick Neuheisel, I think U, uh, UCLA for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the, we uh, the coach directly after Sark. People have uh, he's overrated because it's just like still rings true to the. Um, to the Don James era, uh, but uh, gosh, why can't I? Jim Lambright. Um, okay. People really love and respect him because he was the defensive coordinator under Don James and then took over for Don James. So it's kind Got of it. an extension of the era, but that was kind of the start of the fall uh, in the mid nineties yeah. where it was like, oh yeah, UW went from like a blue blood for 10 years to back to, oh yeah, they're going anywhere from eight to five to 10 and three. Yeah. Um, but you yeah, have yeah, Jimmy yeah. Lake ranked in all of this. Oh, Jesus. Uh, okay. As a, I, I, as well, a, we don't, we don't, as have, a we head coach, we don't got to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, about that's that. not, that's uh, crazy. so, so what do you think of a win today or just let a win today? What does that do for you to recruiting heading into next year? Cause I know you guys got a lot of players leaving, including your starting quarterback. Both of your starting receivers are probably declaring for the draft, right? Yeah. Two of the three. Uh, star receivers we think will yeah. leave Jalen Polk uh, for sure um, Rome is probably going to be a top 10 to top 12 pick and then yeah. uh, uh, we are hoping because he had some time injured that maybe it'll work in the school's uh, benefit and that Jalen McMillan will come back uh, but I, I'm not sure uh, either way what do I think a win would do for recruiting unfortunately I don't know uh, because recruiting is so weird now that NIL is a thing and the transfer portal is just like constantly open. Uh-huh. It makes it really, really difficult for uh, <clears throat> to, to gauge exactly what recruiting is going to do because um, uh, UW's NIL collective, which is called, gosh, what's going on with me? What is it called? Montlake Futures. Um, uh, has a lot of money and they are a quality uh, entity, but it seems like UW to try and like mitigate the issues of everyone constantly doing the same thing is that where most NILs for most colleges are uh, focusing really heavily on typical high school recruiting, UW is going, we're going to like try and pay for like um, proven commodities in the transfer portal. So like our, our uh, we went, what 11 and two last year and we're 13 and oh this year and in the playoff and our yeah. current recruiting class is only ranked 29th it's not even in the top 25 yeah but and you're not even getting a lot of like the washington guys right like a lot of none. those guys are leaving the state this is the first year since i've followed recruiting at all that there is not one washington commit 
um, on the the 2024 commit list. It's insane. Even if you're focusing on the transfer portal, that doesn't seem sustainable. Sustainable. Yeah, like it's, losing it's, every commit in the state. It's really crazy. And I'd like to say, whoa, touchdown! I'd like to say um, that Kalen DeBoer, you know, is just new to the area and he's getting his feet wet. But dog, you've won 20 games in a row. Like it should just start working on yeah. its own. And Bellevue's uh, door should be open. Nonstop. Come on. Yeah. yeah. And the, like the Yelm kids that are going D1 should like, it should only be UW. Yeah. Skyline, lakes and stuff. But yeah, if Oregon's offering 70,000 to an unproven high school commodity and we're like, we'll give you 20. And if not, then go ahead and go to Oregon and we'll get this transfer linebacker from Vanderbilt, you know, yeah. like some guy who nobody gives a shit about, but he was low key, like a second or third team all league guy our running back dylan johnson came from mississippi state nobody gave a shit about him but he was a 91 in the transfer portal and he had the most uh receptions in college football from the running back position and now since november 1st he has been a superstar so yeah it's just they're they're using a, a different um a really different recruiting strategy but i'm not the one man i don't want to see it that way give me yeah. top 15 classes like i also feel like that doesn't work when you move to the Big Ten and then it's like you're trying to outbid in the transfer portal Ohio State and Michigan, Michigan and even like and Nebraska and Wisconsin yes. State. Yeah. Like, this, like yeah. I feel like UW is going to knock themselves back down a couple rungs tra- going to a new conference where it's yeah. like you don't really have a footprint in the middle of the country. And if you don't have a footprint at home, then where are you recruiting from? Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. So we have to like be bona fide hustlers on the West Coast moving forward because we're not going to pick up that Ohio or Pennsylvania kid, you know, maybe no. with some sustained success. But I, I, I've told people uh, on the air, offline, who anybody I'm talking to UW about, I believe that we become Penn State West. You I know? can see that. Not, not the absolute upper tier, but the team that every five years has an opportunity. So yep, I could. For yeah, sure I think that. that's objectively fair that there are quality enough, and we have enough resources in the uh, in the Pacific Northwest, in the Seattle area, that we can and will always be competitive. But again, seasons like this only come around every once in a while. So nervous. But, yeah. And so, all that said, you don't really think a loss today or in the national championship does much to hurt recruiting at all. No, not to hurt. I, I believe making the college football playoff at all um, from a UW perspective where we are, maybe if we were the the type of like Alabama where we're constantly a top five recruiting class, but where we're at recruiting, I think that we're only moving Just up. Just here. Be- yeah, yeah, because we, again, we don't do elite enough a job in the recruiting uh in the recruiting cycles at all to, to move down. This will only be beneficial. Makes sense. Uh, what does a win today you think do for Penix's draft stock? And do you think if he wins a national championship, there's a world where he goes number two instead of Drake May? Or just like he's the second quarterback instead of Drake May? You and I have talked about this many times about um, black quarterbacks opposed to white quarterbacks. And some yeah. NFL franchise is going to put their stamp on Drake May at number two no matter what. He might go. I believe, which would be fucking absolutely (laughs) insane because Caleb Williams throws arm angles that Mahomes don't be throwing. Whether they're smart decisions or not, his arm talent is something I feel like I've never seen before. Um, But no, I don't believe that there's any world, even winning a national title, um, 
even if I believe that Michael Penix is a better quarterback than Drake May, uh, it's his injury history. Everything that happened to him at Indiana, I believe, is what will make people not go, yeah, this is we're throwing the franchise at this kid. Um, but I do think it'll help because right now I think he's a fringe first rounder. I've seen a lot of mock yeah. drafts where he's going like middle of second round uh, in somewhere in the 40s. Um, and I believe that winning a natty, yeah, could push him based on his performance against these upper echelon teams that, yeah, he could go in the twenties. I've seen a couple of mock drafts from like big time entities that say he goes to like the Raiders at like 20, 18. Uh, the Raiders are 11 right now. They've moved up. Oh, shoot. And I've seen a couple that I've seen. It's funny talking to you Raiders, Chargers, Buccaneers, if he was going to go in the first round. But that's if a team falls in love with him after pro oh, and man. stuff like yeah. that. So. If the Chargers take a quarterback, I'm burning jerseys. I promise yeah, you. Yeah, as you, as you should. That would be I ridiculous. am burning jerseys. I can't even imagine what that would be for, you know, like as a backup yeah. or or if we don't need the Chargers were, yeah, were trying to like oh. tear down the house. But yeah, Listen, that'd be insane. That no, I, do no. like, uh, I do like Penix in Minnesota. I feel like that would be a good fit. Oh, yes, in Minnesota. Jefferson Minnesota is another one. And Roma Dunze to Kansas City, which would make me really happy because I'm trying to see uh, Mahomes throw to Rome. That would be crazy. It, it would be nice to give uh, Mahomes some receivers that can catch the ball. Yeah, exactly, Hopefully. yeah. And then, I'm looking uh, at Tankathon uh, right now. They have Rome going to Chicago at 10. Uh, oh, okay. Before neighbors. Caleb. No, they have the Malik neighbors going seven. Tennessee. Yep. And then uh, there's one more dog that is now projected to go in the first round. Troy Fautanu, our left tackle. I've seen a lot mm. of uh, uh, drafts uh, put him in uh, like 25 to 30 range. Yep. This one I'm looking yeah. at has him going 28 to the Texans. There you go. Yep. Which you and put him on the other that, side of Laramie Tunsil. That could work. Exactly. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. They're talking about moving him inside because he's a little stout. He's not the tallest guy at tackle. But he's just got yeah. really, really great hands, and he's great at pass and run blocking. So, yeah, that'd be huge. But got it. Yeah, man. And then you think Odunze can move up with a good uh, playoff performance here? Oh, for sure. Higher than I 10? believe. Yeah, uh, this this is some purple bias that you're going to be mad about. But I actually think he's the best receiver in the country. He might not oh, okay. be. He might not be the best, um, like body. And Marvin Harrison Jr. has. Uh, you know me, I like Marvin Harrison Jr., even though I hate Ohio State because smoking them drugs because Marvin Harrison was my guy for my whole life. But um, I believe that Roma Dunze does more good than they're, they're very similar players, but you're getting one that's like 15 pounds heavier and maybe a click faster in Rome. So I feel like okay. they're. It, extremely similar but i've seen a lot of uh of marvin harrison jr and a lot of rome and i feel like rome wins contested catches more and he shows up big and big time plays more <clears throat> wow didn't expect yeah. to hear that he, yeah that, that purple's running through you it all is. right and then uh <laughs> so uh, moving away from the playoff game a little bit what is your uh what's your take on the state of the pac-12 or the, the no longer pac-12 uh, um, the pack two. I think, yep, the pack two. I think me and most uh, Pac-12 fans are really, truly, genuinely sad about it because there was a time in uh, 2013 through 2016 uh, where there was an opportunity 
to uh, Texas and Oklahoma inquired about leaving the Big 12 to come to the Pac-12. And the Pac-12 said, we don't need to expand and we don't think that they meet our academic standards, which is true. And also, fuck you. Yeah, what are you talking about? Who cares? This isn't about academia. And it's not like those are bad universities. They're just kind of average. Yeah, but they're so not is out, fucking, but so is Arizona State. You know, yeah. there there are some colleges in our uh, Colorado, some colleges that have joined us uh, geographically because it makes sense that way that are not high end academia. Yeah. So the fact I, that most of them, I can't imagine that Utah is like some like crowning jewel of academia. Exactly. So the fact that there could have been feasibly three uh, super conferences in the SEC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 by grabbing those two blue bloods and adding them to the USC, UCLA, Oregon, uh, uh, Washington uh, is really, really disappointing. But again, it's just, uh, I don't know, It, it was the right thing for UW and Oregon, UCLA, USC to move but simply because our leadership couldn't get their shit together. And yeah, that's, that's, that's a really frustrating thing. Fatal misstep there. Thinking of like, thinking of how much better this breakdown of the country looks with like, you have kind of the like middle of the country. West is the PAC 12. The yep. big 10 is the center of the country and like the Northeast kind of the East Eastern seaboard. Sure. And then you have sure. the SEC as a Southeast makes yep. a lot more sense than so the Big more. Ten being most of the West Coast, but also not some of it. And then <laughs> exactly. also the, like, I I know people keep bringing it up, but like UW having to play games against like Maryland. And we think about Insane. football, which Rutgers. isn't that bad. But when you think of like, yeah, UW versus Rutgers <laughs> softball game on a Wednesday in April is yeah. like, what the, what the fuck is happening right now? Yeah, I can't really, imagine really that crazy. makes like financial sense or. I don't think it does. And again, as we talked about the last time I was on the show, I believe that individuals or not individuals, but a few programs have to be cut because of the financial implications. Uh, You just you can't pull all that money out of your ass so that the wrestling team can go to Maryland for sure. Yeah. Two times a year. Yeah. It's just it's unrealistic. So, um, and I think even aside from like like specific school programs, I'm thinking like schools that might need to be cut, like schools like Indiana and Purdue and Illinois, which I guess are good basketball schools. But yep. Purdue football traveling to Oregon for yep. a football game, just like who does that benefit? You know? Yeah. I just yeah, yeah. I, I, don't I guess see how that really. I guess the out. conference is big enough that it becomes kind of like the marquee outer conference games where it's like, oh, yeah, Purdue and Oregon will only play each other every other year at one or the other's place. But it's still just like, okay, still but now you're like taking – Yeah, you're taking those – commute Commute sounds crazy. Commute sounds like you're driving a Fred Meyer. It takes the that uh, travel uh, just exponentially further than, than a college program should yeah. go. Um, and, like – Looking at the like, sta- I'm just looking at the Big Ten standings from this year. Yeah. Most of these schools don't need to be playing football, like Purdue, Illinois, <laughs> Nebraska, yes. Minnesota, like Northwestern. They they shouldn't be traveling across the country to play people. They yeah. got other shit to worry about. Exactly. Indiana, Michigan, Rutgers, Maryland. Like it's really this merger was really Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and UW Oregon <laughs> want to yes. play each other more frequently. And USC, so five schools. And yeah, USC. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. But no, 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 you're absolutely right. Again, uh, people were talking about like, oh, yeah, the four pack 12 schools that are coming over are going to be like 
a big awakening for Big 12 football. And it's like, yo, man, Big 12 football is wildly top heavy. And UW and the rest of the and the rest of the teams coming over are probably going to perform in the same way. Yeah, they might like not be ready for the the likes of the Michigan, uh, the Ohio State, and maybe Penn State. But I think we're at the Penn State level. So every once in a while, you're going to beat those biggest dogs. Um, and the rest of them are kind of frauds. They're just yeah, on the yeah, coattails like, of the other Big Ten teams. Every other school in this conference, including Iowa, who went 10-4 and four this year, is no better in my mind as far as like, Long term, not necessarily thinking this year. Yes. They're no better yep. than uh, UCLA, who UCLA is the name, but like in any given year, they're winning eight games, seven yep. games, nine games, yep. like nothing special. So yeah. I, I don't uh, think it's going to be like a shock to the system for the Pac-12. The cream of the crop in the Big Ten is better than the Pac-12. The Pac-12 people have been banging on the table trying to get anyone to hear that we have been one of the deepest conferences in college football for, for sure. the better half of 20 years. Um, and if, again, if you I'm just thinking if you keep it a buck, if Harbaugh leaves Michigan this year, Michigan probably looks a whole lot different I next agree. year and going yeah. forward. And then Ohio State, while they recruit their ass off, coach ain't <laughs> looking great. And the two yeah, losses for Ohio Dave State. His ass beat, man. Yeah, so the, uh, the cream of the crop might not be the cream of the crop much longer. Exactly, yeah. I, I believe I, – I honestly believe that the big – uh, 10 got a facelift just now adding sure. the four premier programs from the Pac-12 or maybe not premier because UCLA kind of just rode the coattails of SC and their ultra blue blood um uh cuz they would like refuse to separate that being said you know yeah the the recruiting ground that the Big 10 just added in California is a top 3 one in the country and the quality of the Big 10 has just substantially increased by adding those yeah. four programs so, yeah. Uh, and then last question is, what are your expectations going forward for UW? Win, win or lose uh, in these playoffs, what are you expecting from your boys? Oh, man, all my eggs are in the, the next week and a half's basket. Um, uh, that, that sounds bad as if I think that we're going to do poorly. But again, just like I said, like in my, my opening statement to you, is that I just feel so strongly – that this is something that only comes around for UW every 10 to 15 years of truly competing for a national title. Um, so I believe that UW will be good in the Big Ten. I believe that they will compete uh, really well and show that West Coast football, at least in these four programs, is truly um, competitive and really has a lot to offer. Um, I believe that we are in a 12-team playoff, the type that will make the 12-team playoff every four to five years. Yeah. But the ability to win it all, I think all of our eggs are in this basket. And I'm I'm nervous, man, but I'm confident. I feel really good about today. Good. Good. I'm feeling good, too. Go fucking dogs, man. Go dogs. Anything you want to add <laughs> before we get out of here? Nah, man. Just uh, uh, make sure that you tune in for Critically Unfocused Podcast. Uh, the boys are the best, and it's the best thing to do when you got some time on your hands. Uh, that's it, man. Or when you don't and, have uh, some time on your hands. Even if you're hella busy, put it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put it on in the background. Just, just listen up. Yep. And then uh, where can the people follow you at if they want to get some more UW talk? Yeah, uh, follow me at Acropolis Jr. on Twitter, and I'm also on Dog Man always. Tap in with your boy, and uh, we can talk some dogs whenever you want. All right. All right. Appreciate you joining us. Go dogs, Peace. man.